You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today my guest is Dr. Neha Sangwan. Dr. Neha Sangwan, CEO and founder of Intuitive Intelligence, is an internal medicine physician, international speaker, and corporate communication expert. Her private practice in corporate consulting focuses on empowering individuals, organizational leaders, and other teams with tools for clear, effective communication. Dr. Sanguin has written a new book, Talk Rx, Five Steps to Honest Conversations that Create Connection, Health, and Happiness. In Talk Rx, Dr. Sanguin reveals practical yet profound communication tools that will strengthen your relationships, reduce your stress, improve your health, and save you time. Dr. Sanguin will also be a featured presenter at the 2015 Emerging Women Live Conference, October 8th to the 11th in San Francisco, California. In today's episode, Neha and I spoke about what she means by interpreting your body and then interpreting your thoughts, the importance of self-awareness and how our thoughts teach us more about ourselves than anything else, the five components of communication, anger, as a limiting factor in difficult conversations and how to overcome it. And finally, slowing down to speed up, using awareness and understanding to resolve problems and communication quickly. Here is part one of my conversation, Talk Rx, a prescription for connection, health, and happiness with the intelligent and inspiring Dr. Neha Sanguin. Hello and welcome, Dr. Neha Sanguin. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. So honored to be here. It's so exciting. I'm holding your book right now and I have like, I don't even know how many flags and notes. And <laughs> it's a hardcover. Usually this is how I treat paperbacks. So um, mm. the name is Talk Rx, which I love. Five Steps to Honest Conversations that Create Connection health, and happiness. And I think that it's very interesting that you are a medical doctor amongst (laughs) a lot of other things. So I want to hear like how you got to this topic from your background. And I believe you're an engineer as well. So maybe you could give us a little history on that and how you landed on this. Okay, let's be honest, Chantal, I am pretty much a good Indian child. (laughs) So I was raised by immigrant parents who really valued education and stability, really. Mm -hmm. And so my dad is an engineer. Um, My mom always wanted to be a physician. So I really grew up believing that there were just two options. Either you were going to be an engineer or you're going to be a doctor. And my people-pleasing nature uh, led me to, as soon as I figured out that they weren't mutually exclusive, I did them both. Mm-hmm. So the good news is I enjoy math and science, and I love connecting to people. So my journey here um, gave me a really solid foundation in science and in how the world works. And then what I realized when I went out into practice as an internal medicine doctor was there's so much more that I wasn't being taught, right? I would I would be 
having, there's passive aggressiveness that nobody ever sees, right? If you're not a doctor or nurse or staff in the hospital, you never really are part of that. Mm. But there's a lot of high stress. And in any company, in any family where there's high stress, there's going to be communication breakdown and there's mm. going to be passive aggressiveness and there's going to be, you know, it's, it's about relationships. And I started to realize that all these really smart people didn't really ever get emotions 101 really didn't get communication 101, and that a lot of our problems resulted from something that no one was focusing on. So that was the beginning of me realizing something else is going on here that none of us are solving. And then the second piece was I started to listen deeply to my patients. So I would help them through a heart attack or a stroke or pneumonia. And then, you know, they'd be better. They'd go out. They'd take the medications. They'd go back out into their world with a list of low-fat foods and exercise three times a week for 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And a year or two later, I'd see them coming back like a revolving door, right? Another heart attack, another stroke, uh, another blood sugar out of control. And so I started asking myself, are, am I just band-aiding what's happening here? Am I just getting them through a crisis? Or am I getting to the root of what's really making them sick? And so that's when I started asking questions and, and wondering and their answers were unbelievable. You know, every, not everyone, but I'd say a vast majority of them, you know, would say things like, you know, I've never gotten over this heartbreak. I've, I've had a pit in my stomach since I disowned my sister, you know, my son. You know, I've never felt the same since my divorce. Like, they knew when some sort of communication with themselves, oh, uh, another one was, um, I'm in a job, but I feel it feels purposeless, like I feel trapped here because I have to make a living. You know, they they all had a deep knowing that either they weren't listening to themselves in their own heart or their communication had broken down with someone else, like I've never been able to forgive so-and-so, right? Mm -hmm. So they were very clear about the root of what was causing the stress in their life that was ultimately resulting in their physical illness. So when I started to piece all of these together, I started to realize, well, there's only one small problem. I don't know how to communicate either. So I went on this journey, you know, an eight-year journey of going to every workshop I could and learning in every way I could about how human beings can have clear, direct, honest conversations even when every day and even in conflict. And what's interesting is that you said, you know, because oftentimes people are pointing to the stress relief, you know, eat better, exercise, and you should be okay. But it seems that, are you saying that there's a, once they recognize where, like, oh, this pit in my stomach is related to, so there's like an internal talking as well as so is that what you're talking about? But are you also talking about then they go back and then they reconcile? They use the, you know, these techniques to kind of reconcile with the people that are, you know, the sister that they don't talk to or the... So yes. So okay. it's, a yes, it's a yes and. There's a couple things going on here. One of them is it is very important what you eat. It's very important whether you exercise or not. And that is your on a physical level, mm -hmm. right? And so what the medical system is really good at helping people with is 
addressing when their body breaks down, but addressing it only on the physical level. Mm-hmm. So if you get in an accident and your bone is broken, I can get a cast to help you reset it. But what I don't really deal with when someone comes in and they have cancer, right, I say things to them like, oh, I can take that, uh, you know, that lump out of your breast or that lump, you know, wherever it is, I can take that out. So I'm addressing the physical aspect of someone's illness, right? Mm -hmm. But anybody who's been sick knows there's an enormous mental and emotional and social component to being sick, like especially when somebody gets in an accident or Mm -hmm. gets diagnosed with cancer or any illness, there's a huge parallel emotional, social, mental path that goes with that that nobody's addressing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to, gosh, I mean, your book is so dense, I don't even know where to go. But what I love is that you really do focus on the interpretation of what's going on, both in the thought realm, the emotional realm, and the desire realm. And I'm wondering just, you know, personally, it would be great if you could explain what you mean by that when you say interpret your thoughts. Like, what are you telling us to do? And what should we be looking out for? And what are the common pitfalls? Okay, so let me start with the overview. So when I say that there's five steps to honest conversations, right? Uh, There's, There's five easy steps that can sort out any conversation and make your communication quick and easy and less stressful. Mm-hmm. So the overall idea here where we're linking communication and health is about the fact that science shows us that stress causes or exacerbates more than 90% of all illness. So the question I'm asking in the hospital is, what's at the, what's at the root of all of that stress? Not mm-hmm. can I get you through your crisis? But what's at the root of that stress? And what I found was oftentimes it was communication with yourself and others. Mm. So the five steps that we're going to go through right now is, oh, wow, once you realize, okay, my heart attack, you know, has something to do or has something to do with me, you know, not being in the right situation at work or in a a relationship that's long since expired. Let's say you start to connect all the dots between your physical health and your mental, emotional, and social health. Now what these five steps do is they tell you, now you got to go back and have some conversations once you realize that, right? Mm -hmm. And so these five steps where you interpret your body, interpret your thoughts, interpret your emotions, interpret your desires, and then integrate all of those into taking action and having a conversation with someone else simplifies it so that you're really clear about your own conversation so that you can then go into having a conversation with someone else. So this is what it's like. Interpreting your body. So there's two parts to that. Your body is your, let's just make it simple, your five senses and how you pick up information in the world, like a video camera, right? Somebody walks into a room, you see somebody else whispering to somebody else. Whatever you see, hear, taste, touch, smell, That's what you're observing in your body, right? Mm -hmm. The simultaneously, while you're hearing and seeing and all of these things, the inside of your body is talking to you as well. So that's your heart racing, your stomach turning, your sweating, things that other people can't see, but your body gives you as an early indication, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you said to me, hey, Neha, I'd love to, you know, do a podcast with you. And I said, Sure, Chantel. And as sure as coming out of my mouth, 
my stomach starts turning. Mm-hmm. It's because I just said yes or sure when I really meant no. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have time, I don't have, whatever it is. So when people give mixed messages, the their outside world, like I'm saying yes to you, is not matching their inside world. Their heart's racing, their stomach's turning, right? Mm-hmm. But what most people do in that moment mm-hmm. is they numb it out. They numb it out with sugar, caffeine, a glass of wine. They have all sorts of ways that they numb out that discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? Yes. <laughs> um, so that's the interpreting your body. So when I, when I say things like interpreting your body, interpreting your thoughts, what I do is I point out things, you know, simple, easy. My goal was to actually not make this dense. It was actually to take something that I think most people don't understand and we should have learned in grade school as part of our math, science, communication, personal relationships, you know, finance, all the stuff we never learned, right? Mm-hmm. We're, it's one of those things that I think should be that simple, right? Like I should, little kids should know when they say something to someone else, when they say yes, but they really mean no, how does that feel in your body? Right? Yeah. I mean, um, I think that, you know, just now things are starting to turn around on that and people are teaching. I mean, it's rare, but it's still happening. There is a little bit of a movement, self-awareness and mindfulness in school systems. So I think, you know, what you're talking about is definitely getting at the root of a lot of the stress and anxiety out in the world. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. Um, what I'm trying to do is, so you're right, there's mindfulness. And the step, step one is let's tune into our bodies instead of our large focus externally, right? It's much right. easier to be focused on what everybody else is doing right or wrong or what so-and-so has said. It's a little bit harder to tune in and say, like, what's happening for me in this moment? Mm-hmm. And so I, I see that shift in schools and the mindfulness and stress management. What I do in this book is take things a step further, which is great. Once you can tune into yourself, how now are you going to how are you going to get really clear about what you want, how you're feeling, what you desire, and then have a conversation with someone else? Because so many times people will say to me, "Can you just say that to my husband?" Because I don't know how you just did that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what I want is to empower every person in their own communication. And it starts with understanding yourself. So the first is interpreting your body. What are you picking up outside? And how is your physiology or your physical signals inside talking to you? That's interpreting your body. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when those things don't match? Then the step two is interpreting your thoughts. Well, interpreting your thoughts is now that you picked up data from inside your body as well as outside in the world, we have this tendency to piece together that information in a way that makes sense to us. So based on how I was raised or, you know, based on um, my culture, my upbringing, my family, you know, therapists talk about this a lot, which is like, where did this come from? What pattern am I seeing here, right? Like, how do you form your thoughts and your perspective? And so that's what we're doing in interpreting your thoughts. So it's, it's this easy, right? Let's say, you uh, and I and Susie are at a conference and we're all sitting together and you, this is your body now, interpreting your body. You see me lean over and whisper in Susie's ear. Okay. So your body, maybe your heart starts racing and your stomach starts turning. Okay. 
So what is the data? Well, interpreting your body is you saw me lean over and whisper to Susie. You, and your internal data is your heart's racing and stomach's turning. Mm-hmm. Now, here comes interpreting your thoughts. Give me one way that you might piece together that information to make meaning of it. Oh, well, you know, they're talking about me in my ugly dress or something. Yeah, like I knew that. I knew I never should have worn this today. I yeah. knew she didn't like it. Or wow, you know, I think that they're planning something and they're not telling me. I wonder if they're planning my surprise party tonight because it's my birthday tomorrow. Um, to come up with another way to interpret it. Wow, I think that's really rude that they're talking while the speaker is speaking. Right? You see how, like, the same data can be interpreted in an infinite number of ways based on the person who is trying to piece it together in their mind. Right. So interpreting your thoughts is about, wow, notice that you don't have all the information. And notice that the way that you're interpreting what's happening is based on your own past experience. And, um, and you, you're putting this information together, but you actually don't know what the truth is until you ask the other people. Got it. So that's interpreting your thoughts and kind of separating fact from fiction. The problem is people decide on one form of thought, right, like one line of thought, and then they, they're sure that they're, they're right. And that causes... So much communication, miscommunication, really, communication breakdowns in the world. Well, I mean, it's almost like any thought that you have, unless you ask and clarify, is, you know, not accurate. So why even allow yourself the thought? Well, the, your, your thoughts about yourself, um, and, well, you're, you're piecing it together because that's what the brain does. The yeah. brain, you know, n- nerves give us impulses they go up our brain and we literally make sense of it in our in the cortex of our brain that's part of our function so it's natural that we're going to make sense of this mm-hmm. like that's just it happens in nanoseconds right right so the idea there is oh just notice like oh wow if if your first thought was oh i i wonder if they're talking about me it's a really good idea to get clear. So this is how simple it is. I teach this in the book. It's called the curiosity tool. So all you're going to do is you're going to state what you observed, and then you're going to get curious. You're not going to bring all those thoughts in. You're going to do something like this. You would say to me, hey, Neha, I noticed you just whispered to Susie. What were you guys talking about? Right. And then I get to build a bridge. We get to build a bridge to each other. And I may say, all right, you spoiled it. We're trying to plan your party, you know, or whatever it is. And you can be like, oh, I knew what it was, right, if that's what you were thinking. Or it, it gives you the awareness that um, you didn't know what was happening. Oh, I thought you guys were talking about my dress, but really what you're doing is something really sweet, which is planning my party. Right. So the idea there is curiosity, you're going to have thoughts, right? Thoughts yeah. are going to happen. And, and what you want to do is, in order to build a bridge to other people, because so often those thoughts divide us from people. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be, because our insecurities surface, so wouldn't it be so amazing if we just kind of remembered, wow, I observed this, this is what I think is happening, but let me check it out and see if that's what's really happening. Mm-hmm. So that's interpreting your thoughts. Is that pretty clear? Yeah, and I guess what I'm wondering is, 
Is there any room for making sense? When I hear interpreting, I almost feel like making sense of the thoughts. And I guess I had a slight sliver of hope <laughs> that there was <were laughs> sense to be made from the thoughts that run through my brain. But I guess that's not the case, or it's not really what you mean by when you say interpreting. And, you know, it's not a surprise to me because it's almost <laughs> like it can't, we can't, you know, completely trust the mind at all. Well, it's, I think the mind is really powerful because what it does is it really um, serves as a mirror. So this is going to be a little, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a little bit more of an advanced thought, but the mind actually teaches me more and my thoughts teach me more about myself than they teach me about anything else. So if what I think is, you know, I'm watching and you're speaking to Susie and I think you two are talking about me mm -hmm. and that's the thought that I come to. Mm -hmm. What it's now taught me is, wow, when I see two people talking, first of all, I assume that it's about me, which is fascinating, right? Right. <laughs> and then the second piece of that is my insecurity might come up, which is, you know, depending on what I think you're saying about me. If I think you're planning my birthday party or whatever, that means we're all friends and I think you're doing something nice for me. If I think you're talking about the dress that I wore in a negative way, then it's telling me that, wow, Neha, your assumption is that people are talking about your dress and are doing it in a negative way. So, wow, there's my insecurity, Right. So it really teaches you your thoughts and how you form them are based on your past experience, your upbringing, um, all your culture, all sorts of experiences you've had. And they teach you, even when you think them about somebody else, they teach you the most about yourself. Mm -hmm. So sure. interpreting your thoughts, that's kind of what I mean, which yeah. is thoughts are sometimes, you know, sometimes you're spot on. Sometimes your gut and intuition was exactly right. Mm -hmm. And when communication breaks down, it's so important to pay attention to being curious because that's how you build a bridge back to somebody else's heart. Right. You know, and you create the space for you two to reconnect. Well, so that's interpreting your thoughts. Okay. And then depending on which of those stories that you actually believe, mm -hmm. it generates an emotion. So if, if I thought, wow, um, those guys are planning my birthday party, right? And they're going to surprise me. What emotion might I feel? Happiness and love. Yeah. yeah, yeah, supported, happy, love, excited, right? Now, same set of data. I see somebody whisper, right, to somebody else, my friend. And if I think, oh, they are making fun of this dress. I knew I shouldn't have wear it, worn it. It isn't appropriate. I don't look good. In fact, I look fat in this. If that's what I'm thinking, what emotion might come next? Sadness and frustration. Yeah, yeah sadness, frustration, almost like a feeling of re being rejected, right? Sure. Like, all right. So, um, and insecurity. Um, so you can see so you can see how important this this bridge where you're taking this data that you see and observe, and you're creating thoughts around it. If you are bought into whatever set of thoughts you create, depending which one you choose, determines then how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. The emotions. Then, depending on what emotion you feel, it usually generates a want, a desire. Mm -hmm. So now we're in the fourth piece, mm -hmm. which is interpreting your desires. Well, think about it. If I think that everybody's planning my surprise party tonight, 
what might I want to do? Find out wanna, the details? I might want to, yeah, I might want to find out the details. Or another want might be, I might want to make sure I get my hair and nails done so that this evening when we go to dinner, like, I'm ready. Right? Yeah. Um, I might want to find out more about it. It's absolutely true. So it could be any of these. Now, let's take the other scenario. If what I think is they're making fun of my dress and that I don't look good, what might I want to do? You know, change or... Yeah. So I might want to go back up to the room and change or, you know, put something else on or buy a new dress or, so do you see how like whatever pathway, like when you get this data, whatever pathway in the thoughts arena that you decide to go down determines how you feel and what you want. And ultimately now you take all of those and you put them together and it's the last part is integrating into action. Mm-hmm. Because it will then determine what conversation you have. Hey, guys, it's been really nice being with you, but I'm going to go upstairs and change my dress. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they were talking about your surprise party. Right. So unless you get curious and you find out, you actually create a lot of stress and miscommunication in your own world. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of the overview. It's it's that data, externally what you're picking up, internally in your body. Once you notice what those are, what how do you piece them together to interpret your thoughts and make up a story? Whatever story you choose to believe determines how you feel, ultimately what you want, and then what action or conversation or communication you do or don't have. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. It totally <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, so, I hope it's easy and simple. Like, that's I, really no, what I, I, just, I just wanted to create a framework. I'm like, why didn't anyone teach me this? <laughs> no, I mean, it just totally makes sense. I'm just wondering, like, when do we stop this cycle? I mean, the, the, I, for me, I just, you know, I'm curious to see what are the patterns that you see out there. For instance, you mentioned assumptions. I mean, totally. Assumptions, it's like the guilty party, right? I mean, that's really, it starts early. It's almost like, I don't know if the thoughts come before the body telling you or is the body telling you before the, you know, it's somewhere in the thoughts and the body. To me, it's, uh, you know, you're the doctor. It's always felt a little chicken and egg to me, you know? So if we can control the thoughts, then do we control that? Do we stop some of that cycle or do we stop trying to control thoughts and just work with, a more of a resiliency approach and you know because I don't know how we can have conversations without getting that internal talk rx happening yeah I mean listen the first uh, four-fifths of this book is about decoding you right Right, so it's like you need to know what's happening how you've picked up data what information you have what you don't what thoughts you believe to be true and how you're feeling and what you want before you should ever be engaging with somebody else. Because if you know yourself well, this is the whole self-awareness, you know, the awareness movement, which is if you know, there's actually between you and I right now, the conversation that's going on between the two of us is actually the third conversation that's happening. So the first conversation is what you, the conversation you're having inside of yourself, the silent thoughts you are or aren't saying, the physical sensations that are or aren't happening, the emotions, the desires, anything that's going on inside you, I may or may not know about that, but you know about it, right? So that's one conversation. Now, the same exact thing is happening for me, and that's the second conversation. By the time you and I are coming together, 
that's actually the third conversation that's happening. Yeah. And people think that they wonder why, you know, when they come in very emotional and upset or, you know, excited or whatever it is, they come in and they just want to talk to somebody about it and like, get, you know, let's just work this out. And I say to, you know, if you do a little bit of work, a little bit of background work on yourself and just kind of get some clear ways to describe like how, what the process is that's happening for you, you make it so much easier when the two of us come together with our two independent conversations to create this third conversation that's between us. I didn't want to get like too like technique oriented, but now I just can't stand it. Please step, <laughs> step me through. <laughs> step me through the baby steps of how we get clear on the sure. inside and not just noticing, but like how can I sort of outcreate the beast within that seems to just take over on the thoughts and then the bodies and then my emotions. And then by then I don't even know what I'm desiring. You know, it's definitely, and then I'm let loose in the world through action and who knows what I'm going to create from that space. So how do we, how do we, you know, do you have some steps that we can take that could help? You have a mind chatter chapter in your book, which I thought was very interesting. And, you know, wherever you want to take it, just, you know, what's the first step and, and how do we get out of that so we're in a good place when we interact with others? Okay, so the very first step is most people think they don't even pay. Like most people don't even think of communication as an issue. It's almost like fish not noticing the water in which they swim, right? right? Yeah. We communicate all the time. Like people say things like, oh, listening, that's easy. I do it all the time. Oh, communicating, that's easy. I do it all the time. And by the way, if communication breaks down, they're pretty sure that someone else is to blame other than themselves. Mm-hmm. So step number one is saying, you know, becoming aware and just saying, wow, I wonder, I wonder if there's any way that I've been doing this and almost haven't even been seeing what's right in front of me, right? Like if, if, if you start with the own, your own curiosity mm-hmm. and awareness, which is what you're doing right now, it's like, oh, maybe there's something that I'm missing. That's step one. And maybe... I don't need to, you know, get this book for my mom or my dad. Maybe there's something I could learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. That's step one, because the way that you could really influence your relationships is by owning, starting with your own communication. So that's step one. Step two is, um, I'd say we often, as a society, are pretty comfortable using the words you and we kind of to generalize things, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, you know how, don't you hate it when the store clerk is rude to you when you go to the store? They should be in service versus taking accountability for myself, which would be something like, wow, I went to the store and I noticed that, you know, I asked to refund something and the clerk was rude to me and I'm feeling, you know, upset and like I didn't get the service even though I spent the money. Right? Like, that's a much more real conversation versus me generalizing and using pronouns like you and we and, right? So what this book does is it actually helps you with curiosity and accountability, right? Your own personal accountability. Like, how might I have shown up in this? Mm -hmm. So those are the big overviews. So I'd say, like, in your question, which is, why does this become, like, such a mess in the end? Mm -hmm. Well, if everybody who's listening... If you can, you know, on your phone, on your smartphone, or on a piece of paper, if you just write these five pieces, which is body, okay, how you pick up information through your body, your body's an instrument, so how do you get data, 
Then there's thoughts. Then there's emotions, what you feel. Then there's desires, what you want. And then there's how you integrate those four into taking action. So the reason it feels like a big jumbled mess is because a lot of times people skip. They don't go through all of these five steps. What they do is they skip. So I'll tell you, my strengths are that I notice something happening, I create some sort of thought about it, and then I do. I'm a notice, you know, a body, thoughts, action woman. And what I do is I kind of don't, quote, waste time feeling and wanting and, you know, all of that. I just do, you know, I notice something happening in the world. I make a thought about it, what I think needs to happen, and then I go do it. Ditto. (laughs) Right? Except the problem there is that none of these are better than another. And when you're missing parts of these, so I'll tell you, uh, there used to be So a man I used to date a while ago, so I'm the body, thoughts, action. He was body, feel, want. Okay, so he would skip thoughts and action, right? Mm. So in our relationship, he'd say something like, hey, Naya, you know, I think it's a really good idea. Why don't we look into getting a farm? Like, I would really love to live on a farm. I know you like the city, but, you know, you said we could spend some time. Why don't we, like, think about getting a farm? So this is me. All right, well, let me get on the phone with the realtor. Um, she's only there until 5 o'clock. We need, to, we need to get on this. We need to start seeing places, right? So I go straight into action mode. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this is him. Why don't we make a cup of tea? Why don't we sit down and have some chai together? And we'll, you know, dream a little bit about what we want and what would be ideal. And I'm, like, looking at my watch going, what is wrong with you? The, the real estate office is going to close at 5 o'clock, and it's already 4.15. We don't have time for tea. Okay, like we need to get on this. And so it's this interesting dynamic that happens in communication with people, which is all of these pieces are important. The drawback for me is, let's say I called the realtor and said, yeah, let's let's go get this. Let's make this happen. Right. What's the next question the realtor is going to ask me? What do you guys want? How big? What's your price range? All these things that I haven't spent any time contemplating. Right. So I haven't gotten clear about what I, you know, what would really move me about this and what I want in this partnership so that I can act. I'm a city girl. I don't want to go to the farm, but I haven't taken any time to sit down and actually figure that out. So I stay really busy, but I don't actually get what I want. Right. Is that, is that clear? Yeah. Like, yeah. I love, now now that I'm really sinking into these five, I mean, really what you're asking is that we spend time in this awareness realm in all five of these zones. Yes. And and I'm asking you to slow down to speed up. So if you slow down and you learn how to communicate, because listen, how many times a day are we in communication? Every day and in conflict. So everyday communication, conflict. we have so many interactions a day. If somebody slows down to start understanding how they communicate, how they receive signals from their body, what thoughts they have that are undermining them, how to experience their emotions and what they want, then as they go back into the world, they're going to be so much more efficient and effective, right, Mm -hmm. in getting what they want, in creating the types of relationships they want, in knowing when to get out when something is no longer serving them. They'll become very clear and efficient. Mm-hmm. So I am asking you to slow down 
to read the book, to kind of experience and explore what's happening for you. But I want everybody to know that the ultimate goal is that this is going to make you so much more effective and efficient and actually save you time, even in tough conversations. Mm-hmm. So the, the other piece to that is, um, so I'm really busy, but I'm not getting what I want. But then I'm blaming my partner because I don't get what I want and I'm the one who's actually doing something and I don't think he's doing anything. Now, the drawback for him is he actually brings a lot of value to this relationship because he came up with an idea. He really wants to feel this and experience it with me and get clear about what we want and our future together and all of these things, except that man does not take action. (laughs) So he remains in a state of longing. And my frustration with him is that, right, like, you're not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Like, and so the amazing part is, is uh, this was, this was probably 10 years ago, but the amazing part is, is that we both need each other. While we have disagreements and friction and, you know, I say he doesn't get anything done and he says, you know, I'm just a busy bee and I don't even know where I'm going. All of it, like, it's yes and. It's true. Right. Both of us. Right? right, and if we just appreciated each other, what each other brought to the table for communication, our com- and we strengthened the arenas that we're not as good in. If he started to take some action, if I slowed down to learn about my emotions and what I desired, we would actually be incredible communicators and get a lot done. I love that, and so really learning these, becoming experts, so to speak, if we can become an expert in this realm, it feels like a lifelong learning opportunity, but. Being aware of how these five realms play in ourselves is just going to make it more of an opportunity for us to notice it in others and just be more generous with others when they fall short themselves of one or or three areas. Yeah. Or or four areas. (laughs) Yeah. Like whatever it is. And also allow us to be more curious and kind of self-reflective as well, which is, well, there's me making up that story that people don't like what I'm wearing again. Like, it's even about yourself, right? So you can kind of check yourself as well as build bridges to others and admire, you know, the pieces that they bring to the relationship. I mean, the the most fascinating part is I'm always drawn to those, that type of man. Like, they they definitely almost like compliment me, right? I'm so busy doing and they are teaching me to feel. They are teaching me to slow down and experience this relationship and experience the now. Mm Right. And so there's so much value in it. And as we strengthen each of those arenas, the amazing practical pieces, when I'm in dialogue in business, when I'm in a conversation with somebody else, and it can even be in conflict, I can now listen to what they're telling me, know which pieces are missing, and ask the questions to fill in those other pieces. Well, so... There are a couple of things that along these lines that, you know, you call them your Talk RX toolkit in different sections of your book. Right. And there's so many good ones here. The emotion that comes up that I think is most debilitating when in communicating with others seems to be anger. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I guess I want to hear what you have to say around that. And you, ha- you even have something where you call it secondhand anger anger, which I thought was interesting. And, um, so yeah. what is it about anger? 
that actually just, you know, shuts off? And what's the opportunity there? Because there is also a lot of passion and a lot of desire hidden in anger. And how can we navigate what I see to be, you know, one of the most limiting factors in any two people, three people coming together in conversation, conversations that are difficult? So in general, so everything you said, I agree with. Um, So I think the most important thing to remember about anger is anger is not anger. So anger is usually supported or fueled by something else. It's either that somebody is scared or fearful and they're protecting themselves or they're hurt. Something has been painful to them and they need to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. So I don't think of anger as anger in itself. I think of it as either fear or hurt. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this person afraid of or what are they in pain about? Mm -hmm. And if I so once I know where I'm headed with with that in myself or with others, it really helps me. So sometimes I ask that question, you know, the way that I'm just going to assume, okay, um, Assume that uh, you tell me something that you might, can you think of just like a phrase or a sentence that you might say if you were angry with me about something like, you know, I can't believe you. What? What the fuck is probably what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? You know, like where did that come from? So now I'm going to use those five steps that we just talked about. Yeah. To kind of answer you. Okay, let's suppose that I just took credit in a meeting for something that you had done. And I said, wow, thank you very much. I've worked really hard on this and I didn't even include you. Okay. And then my WTF would come out. Yep. And you would you would say, what would you say exactly? Like in the middle of the meeting, I'd probably wait till after the meeting. And then you'd say what to me? You know what? I it's funny. I probably wouldn't say anything, but let me just pretend I'm brave. And I just <laughs> I would say uh, I mean, I'd probably text it to you or something. Okay. No, I'm brave and I'm saying I I could see myself saying, "God, you know, I really felt cut out of that deal. You know, we worked on that together. What the fuck?" It's probably what yeah. I would say. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I want to acknowledge the two things that you've said before this. The first one was that you wouldn't say anything to me. Well, let's be honest. You'd say something to someone else. So you'd be talking about me, not to me. That's what I would do. That's called the drama triangle. And that creates such a mess in organizations, in families. It's, it's insane what the drama triangle, the mess that it creates. Right. Now, the second thing that you said is, I'd probably text you. I wouldn't actually say it. And then you're like, no, brave and strong, brave and strong. Right? <laughs> like, um, Now, that's another way that people hide. The way that they hide in their relationships is when something is really important, they try to just shoot it off in cyberspace and then, like, wait to hear what happens, right? But they don't actually trust themselves enough to have the honest conversation with me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's suppose that you were brave and strong, you came up to me, and and you said what you said, Mm -hmm. right? So... What I would say to you if I used those five steps, the body, thoughts, emotions, desires, and Mm -hmm. action, I would say, wow, I, first of all, 
I hear you. I hear you swearing, and I hear the tone in your voice, and your arms are crossed. Like the thought that's going through my head is, I totally messed up. I am feeling like upset. I'm, I'm embarrassed. And what I really want is to apologize to you and ask for forgiveness because the truth is, you worked alongside me through this whole thing, and I did say I did this right instead of we. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to do is kind of let's go to let's go to our boss's office and I just want to clear this up right now. Will you come with me? Do you see how what I did was I told you like, God, I hear you swearing. I am like your speech is getting quicker, like your hands are crossed. I hear your tone of voice. Like basically you don't really say that, but like I'm trying to like show you what's happening, right? Um, where I'm telling you what I'm observing, that I know how angry you are, right? The thought in my head is, oh, my God, I've totally messed up, right? Um, Or the thought in my head could be, you didn't do as much work on this as I did, and I could go down another path. True? True. But I'm going to say, I'm going to go the forgiveness path. um, You know, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Uh, And then the emotion is, wow, um, I'm embarrassed and uh, upset, And what I want you to know is how sorry I am. And what I'd like to do is make sure in our next meeting that I clarify that with the group. There's many options that you can take, but do you see how long that took? Do you know what, do you know what's happening for me? Yeah. I mean, crystal clear. Yeah. It's very clear and it totally just made me feel better and more calm and received. And I think a lot of it comes down to really being careful about claiming and being in that I space and having this awareness, you know, in the five bodies or however you want to say it. Like the five components of communication. Okay. The five components. The body's one of them. Right. And I just, I feel like, you know, there's, you know, the curiosity, the, all of that just comes after the awareness piece, but there's a lot to be said for really taking ownership of our own experience more yeah. and more. I mean, everything seems to just come back to that and it yeah. seems to soften because as soon as you took ownership and you spoke to me in that I voice, I felt completely disarmed and fine. Yeah. Right? Because you felt heard. Like I, felt I, heard. I acknowledged you. Like I, I'm saying this now, listen, I can be, I could, I could, disagree with you and we could have a different conversation around that same experience of you getting really upset right well, right some, someone has got to be more conscious than the other right I mean, like, <laughs> yeah so. and, and I might I might not believe that you really did work on it right so I would say something like this hey Chantal I hear your tone of voice change and I hear how passionate you are about the meeting you know the comment I just made in the meeting um so you came on three months ago to this project, and I've been the one spearheading it for nine months prior to that. Help me understand what you think I should have said. Sure. And you might then say, you know what? I just wish you wouldn't have said I did this project. I wish you would have said I have been working on this project, and Chantel has really been supporting me for the last three months. That would have made me feel better. Mm-hmm. You see how there's like, there's so many different permutations, but if people understand, like, what we need to do is include each of these pieces, 
Mm-hmm. The other, the, the communication is so crystal clear that it resolves really quickly. Mm-hmm. And both parties feel really deeply heard. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, th- this is what I was saying earlier, which is how many times a day, you know, are we in interactions like this? And it's like, it's so worth your time to slow down mm-hmm. in order to be able to speed up. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, you're I mean, as long as we're interacting with each other uh, on this planet, like there's going to be opportunities for communication and miscommunication, which causes so much frustration. I mean, how many people out there have relationships that have gone awry or they wish they could connect to somebody, but they don't know how? Mm. How do you form that bridge with that coworker where you had that, you know, exchange that everybody was upset and then nobody talked about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Or we talked about each other, not to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like people are so and women, especially like I'm so excited. Right. As women move into the workplace and they move up in the workplace to the boardroom. Right. Mm-hmm. Into into all these or in entrepreneurship. We have to be so crystal clear about our communication mm-hmm. and our effectiveness in order to be the ones who lead. Yes. And this is a distinct advantage. I mean, it's such a distinct advantage in every conversation if you understand uh, these simple pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm, um, yeah, I'm really excited for yeah. for people to understand this. I know it caused me in my life growing up. I was the middle daughter of three uh, with immigrant parents and cultural differences, right, with the whole Indian community, and when I figured all of this out and started to learn it, it just gave me freedom. It gave me this sense of confidence and personal freedom. Like there's nothing I can't do because I'll figure it out when I get there. I'll just have to figure out what my thoughts are, you know, what I'm observing, what my thoughts are, how I feel, what I want, and then find the courage to say it directly to who I need to. You know, it's so interesting because in general, I'm always a little dubious of anything that's too prescriptive. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, a, here we go. You know, And your book is actually called Talk Rx. But Talk the, prescription. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, here's, <laughs> you've written me a prescription. But the thing is, in this realm, yeah. we need it. Yeah. You need the technique because yeah. it's like, if you just, you'll go crazy just swimming in your mind and your emotions and reacting and then re-reacting and recreating in your in your own world. And yeah. that's what I love about the steps and the way that you've pointed out sort of all the pitfalls. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface, which tells me I think we're going to need a part two on this. So, um, <laughs> But there's so many things that you address. And when I hear you talking about your journey, you actually feel, I don't know if the, it's, it's not disconnected. It's actually, you're, you're very connected to it, but it's like it doesn't run you anymore. It's, it's simple. Yeah. It's like you've yeah. got this simple way and it's not running you and it's like you can navigate anything. You just gave such good examples and I'd love to get into some more of those if we have a chance and I think we will having another part two of this and getting into more of the nuance of some of the conversations that come up and the emotions. You also have all this work on self-forgiveness, which I'd love to bring into it. But that's what I'm getting is that you know this approach to communication that of course starts with an internal landscape, but let's not like take it back to the womb, right? Right. We can be, <laughs> right? We can be prescriptive and it actually is effective. 
Yeah. And you get to choose. I like, I like that the prescription is actually a framework because you get to fill it in with yeah. your own, like your own life and your own experience and your own thoughts and your own emotions. Right. What I hope to do in, in all of this is just give people almost like a GPS system, right? Because yeah. just because you have a GPS system, which guides you in your car, doesn't mean that it tells you where to go. Mm-hmm. You get to choose where you're going to use this and where you want to go and how you want to use these tools. They're yeah. just merely tools, yeah. you know, but the, but the individual themselves gets to decide what relationships do I want to strengthen or repair? Which ones have I grown out of that I need to have those conversations? So I, I really respect, you know, that too much prescription doesn't feel natural, Right, And I actually really, you know, the, listen, the name of the book has morphed. It started as the communication cure. And I thought, oh, gosh, that, that seems like I got the answer to everything. And I thought, no, no, no. And then it went into talk your way to health and happiness. And then I was told, you don't have titles that are that long. Right. <laughs> and then it was, okay, you know, they said, well, why don't you become the talk MD? And I said, well, that's all about me. Like, I'm hoping that somehow I can give, what does a doctor give to others? And they said, well, a prescription. And I said, well, then it's going to be a different kind of one. Like it's going to be a talk prescription. It's not, you know, I'm going to hopefully give them something that will help alleviate their stress and allow them to start sleeping at night and not need as much of their sleep medication, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to do something that helps them get off, like it's a quote prescription, but it helps them get off medications that they don't need anymore. Right. Because I mean, but just it's it, it's the crazy amount of stress that yeah. happens through communication and how we relate to others. It's you and know feeling disconnected or yeah. not feeling a sense of belonging in the world. I we're just in this era where right. there's instant access and connection, but people feel more disconnected than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is an attempt to say, wow, I wish I wish we had this uh, growing up. And the big argument my patients gave me was. Why did I have to have a stroke, a pneumonia, or end up in the ER to learn this from you? You need to be out in the world 15, 20 years earlier helping me so that I never had to show up here. Mm. And so that's where it was all born. Well, we have you at Emerging Women. So excited that you're going to be presenting at the main event. Yes, I can't um, wait. And doing a workshop. And so thank you so much for your time. And I'm excited to get more of this work out there. So I think we can, you know, bank on whether we do power practices or a part two more on Dr. Neha and Talk RX. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you.